0: overhead 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 i tell people this all the time it's not how much money you make it's how much you keep work you know apple was working in their in their mother's garage you know work only expand let the business force you to expand for those extra expenses you know keep it as lean and mean especially in the early years because overhead is literally what kills most more businesses they do not have the wherewithal to withstand that cash flow. And the other thing I always tell people uh, real quick, don't try and be all things to all people. You can't, nobody is. You'll become nothing to anybody if you do that. As much as you think Coke's the best brand in the world, half the people want Pepsi. Whatever it is, you're only gonna get half the market. And and you really gotta know that and be willing to give up and really focus on what your core identity is. I think that's just really important.
1: Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight-figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. You ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now today, we've got another great guest on the podcast. Craig Wolf and uh Craig um started out um in out of high school and went to college and got a degree in English didn't know what he wanted to do uh went or was adrift uh, for a few years doing some uh, sales jobs I think with some uh, cosmetic companies and other things um, also did a uh, health food store um that was uh, before uh, Whole Foods was cool or had come along and uh, and then uh, did another of uh, a number of other sales jobs and uh, was a distributor Um, decided he wanted to do things on his own, came across an idea for uh, doing artwork with uh, I think television commercials and other uh, for larger businesses and other things Um, and then also uh, started off as an offshoot of doing uh, Celebrity Ducks and so he'll talk a little bit more about that Um, and then ended up selling off the the agency and focusing on uh, Ducks full-time. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast Craig. Thank you Devin, really happy to be here looking forward to it. Absolutely. So excited to have you on. And then I just gave a uh, much condensed version to a much longer journey. So uh, why don't we uh, rewind and unpack a bit. Um, So tell us a little bit uh, about uh, how your journey got started coming out of high school and uh, getting your uh, English degree.
0: Oh, sure. You know, I, I, uh, you know, when I graduated high school, my mother always wanted to be like you. And uh, I didn't have the skill sets. And I knew it early on, I wasn't going to be the lawyer who they wanted. But I, basically did not know what I was going to do. So I did take jobs, as you mentioned, mainly sales, cosmetic company. And my first job was really, as I remember now, working as a retail credit card collection clerk at Crocker Bank, about the farthest spectrum for what I'm doing today. But I just drifted, you know, doing sales jobs, making money, didn't know what I wanted to do. One day, So we just want to
1: dive into that just a little bit, and maybe rewinding. So you went in or just to go back to the college timeframe, just to set the stage. I think you did. While you didn't go get a law degree and I I understand and I wouldn't blame anybody (laughs) for not wanting to go through that painful process, Um, but you went and got an English degree. Is that right? I did.
0: I did. And I did find that knowing how to write and communicate was basically one of the best things I could have learned in terms Mm -hmm. of doing business.
1: So now definitely makes sense. I think that, uh, you know, be able to write and uh, and articulate yourself and uh, be able to convey Mm -hmm. a lot of information definitely is a great skill set across a lot of different industries. So now you're coming out of college and you mentioned a little bit, but, you know, English degrees, at least in my experience and correct me where I'm wrong. They don't have, you know, they don't have necessarily a well-defined career path of, hey, here's a good job that you go and apply with, unless you're going to become a professor or, you know, you're going to go teach a, a school. Um, but right. otherwise, you know, you have to figure out kind of where, where, how you're going to utilize that within your career. So how did you kind of, where did you start with that? Or how did you well, figure my, out what you were going to do?
0: Well, my degree, as I said, you know, really had nothing to do with anything I, I did afterwards, except for the fact. Of the skill sets I learned, as you mentioned, how to communicate and how to write, you know, those really went far. So, whatever path I got in, whatever job, whatever company I worked for, having communication skills uh, that I learned as an English major were invaluable, even though practically, like you said, unless I want to become a professor, it really wasn't going to translate to a specific job.
1: Hmm. So, so, with that in mind, and as you're coming out of school, you mean, have, you know, probably as most people do, student loans or think, or even life's demands and things to pay for and everything else to do. So you mentioned a little bit, but what was that first job as you were trying to figure things out? Where did you start?
0: It was unbelievable. Retail credit card collection. Just imagine a giant building with all these people and you're just going through files and files and you're providing the information that, that the credit card people would call. And you're just going through the files and papers providing to them so they can make the calls to collect debts for, for a major bank in San Francisco about the, the farthest thing in my life that I ever would have imagined myself doing, but it paid well, and it was a job. And that was, that was the beginning of doing something.
1: Mm. No, no, Hey, start somewhere you get some experience you get or, you know you start to pay down debts get you know get or give yourself some breathing room and you figure that out so started out at the, the credit card business and uh, how long did you stay there for
0: I'd probably say I, I was a good maybe 8 months <laughs> you know that was probably all it was and um and then I at a certain point I left it and believe it or not I I I entered childcare I was working in a childcare facility taking care of young children um during the day. So that was before, you know, running the health food store and the sales job. So you see it's just like little things just just like taking time till I really knew what it is I was going to do. I did not have any idea Devin what I was going to do. Quite frankly.
1: No. And, you know, and I, and I think everybody takes that path. It's interesting. You know, you, you have a lot of different things. You come out of school, you got a degree and still does just because you have a great degree, degree doesn't mean you know what you want to do when you grow up or for the rest of your life. And definitely uh, are in that same boat. And I'm probably I'll probably be in that same boat until I finally retire and, and I'm not working anymore, which is what I want me. to do. <laughs> Um, so, but you see, so you went to the you, you, you started out doing a few sales jobs. So you did the, you know, you kind of went to the credit cards. You did, you did the next job. I think you got into health food. Yeah. Health for food a time. Was
0: very successful. Mill Valley, California. Like I say, before health foods came in, it was, uh, it did fantastic. I mean, it was a great business, you know, two partners, you know, figured it out. Um, you know, it, it did great, but I walked out on that because I realized that wasn't my destiny either. So I left that one behind
1: and how long or you know because i mean probably Whole foods obviously did well it was a good business to be in it sounds like you were being successful so how did you yeah. come to the realization that hey while this is uh, maybe a good industry it's not the one for me and i'm gonna go somewhere else you know how yeah. long how long were you yeah. in it and how did you kind of figure that probably out about
0: a year and i told my partner you can you can have it <laughs> i just walked out literally Devin, you know young idealistic i, I didn't didn't ask for money i, I helped start it you can take it i'm out of here um literally just felt that wasn't my path and it wasn't even about the money i go, this wasn't where i was supposed to end up i just intuitively knew that
1: hmm so now you you see you come to that realization say okay this isn't it this isn't where i'm supposed to be where did you go from there
0: well one day i'm walking down the street and i pass macy's window and they have all these coca-cola vending machines and picnic baskets and old coke bottles with the with the shape of the cocoa potty and the glass ones not the can the real thing and i looked at it It was just when the coke polar bear commercials were coming out and i literally i don't want to get religious here but it was like an epiphany i looked at and i said i always loved disney animation art and at one point i actually i forgot to mention i was actually buying and selling disney animation drawings the original drawings from the 1930s that they used to make the original cartoons. I love the passion in that Disney animation. I love it, the early stuff. But when I saw those those Coke things, I said, why does Coca-Cola not market their artwork the way Disney does with the Coke Polar Bears and the whole nine yards? And I bet there's a million people who would love the picture on their wall from the commercial to Coke polar Cold Coke, you know, it took me a year to convince them of what I wanted to do. A year, literally a year. At the end of the year, they let me do it. And long story short, it became one of Coca-Cola's top selling art pieces. And I did Coca-Cola, Polar Bears, all different scenes from the commercial. I started working with the actual animation studio who was making the commercials, So they would have to give me the artwork. And I said, if well, I can do this with Coca-Cola. Why not Anheuser-Busch? Why not the M&Ms? the Hershey, you know, I mean, it was just like the Pillsbury Doughboy, and it's just boom, 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 till eventually we were the largest publisher of artwork from television commercials in the country, just from that one little
1: thing, right? No, that's, that's, I think it's an awesome (laughs) idea, and it makes sense, and I think that, you know, a lot of these, you have to go with the bigger brands, right, the ones that people, everybody knows, and they have kind of a cooler, class, collectible base, (laughs) yeah, yep, and, uh, you know, people, you you get people that are a loyal following, and and they like the artwork, and it's kind of fun, and (laughs) if, You know, whether it's for businesses or man caves or houses or decorations or garages or anywhere, number of places, I definitely get it. So you did that and you did that for or once you kind of stumbled on that, it took you a year to no, get into it. It was
0: my business. And then, you know, I was always a big fan of, of clay animation. Uh, I grew up watching Gumby, you know, probably before your time. And
1: uh, I do know it was, who Gum- it is a bit before my time, but I do at least know who Gumby is. So. Eventually, I
0: tracked down the creator of Gumby or Clokey. And he and I became very good friends and his wife and my wife and his wife. And we always hang out together and uh, became very close. And I would market all the artwork from his films and all the Gumby characters and from the sets and props and everything. And we became very close. And then I did the same thing with the California Raisins because mm-hmm. I love clay animation. I thought they were really cool. So I went and moved up to Portland where the studio was and marketed all the California Raisins stuff. So I'm basically... Taking that Disney concept of something I feel, this is where I really feel something passionate about, the animation art and the characters. Now we're not at Crocker Bank anymore. We're not doing the health foods. This I could relate to. So now this animation thing, I'm creating these things for all these companies and it's taken off and I was doing pretty good with it. And that that was my life. I thought that's all I'd be doing. Never saw ducks you know, in, in the equation at all.
1: So now, so no, that's a great segue. So, I mean, so you're doing that being successful. Sounds like you found a, a good uh, niche and uh, sounds like it was uh, going well for you. Now, how, you yeah. know, how did you get in? No. How did you shift gears from that, which, you know, sounds like a good business to going into ducks?
0: Right. Well, it's, it's like that John Lennon quote, life's what happens when you're busy making other plans. Then one day at a party, a friend who got very drunk, Um, very honestly, had this idea about making rubber ducks that look like celebrities. Now, I know 99% of the people would go, that's not (laughs) going to (laughs) work. And, um, but I thought I was intrigued by it. I actually, in my mind, even though most people wouldn't probably see it working, some weird hybrid, I could see it, that maybe this could work. So I called King Features, who do Betty Boop, own the rights. I said, I have this idea. I still remember the conversation because i kid her about it to this day i want to make a rubber duck that looks like betty Boop, and i could tell she's trying to find the most polite way to get get me off the phone all right you make your little betty Boop rubber duck get back to us we'll talk you know and then that was the end of it she'll never hear from me again but you know i had all the money from the animation i've somehow got someone in china to make one and sculpt one and this and that and i finally got it to her and one day i come in come in means i downstairs upstairs or downstairs because I just work out of the home Mm. and there's a message there from Ita, And it says, we got your little Betty Boop rubber duck. It's really cute. Let's talk. And that was the very beginning. It's only one duck now, but that was when we actually began to make rubber ducks of celebrities. Not where we really took off, but where we actually go, okay, somebody says this thing is a viable business let's mm-hmm. run with it on the side it's not gonna be our main business of course <laughs> you know it's a little fun as Mr. Wonderful says on Shark Tank, a little hobby but as you know what it became who knew
1: no and you know a lot of times it's interesting that the businesses that you know where they come from and how they evolve and, and what direction they take is always a, a bit of a mind of their own so now you said you know Started out in you know paraphrasing side hustle or kind of started off as an offshoot, and who would think ducks would be a a full time business or would have enough demand to you know warrant a or starting a a business around it? So you know, walk us through that evolution as far as you're running, you know, kind of running the full time business, doing this on the side, and how did that evolve?
0: Yes, that's a great story. Well, you know, I'm I'm a guy who works at home, does ninety percent of the stuff myself. Right? I mean, we may be the largest. Publishing company in in the country of artwork and television, maybe the lar- one, the largest custom duct manufacturer in the world. I'm sitting at home, right? So um, I'm sending out all the little press releases by myself. You know, mailing them out, mailing them out, mailing them out. No one's really responding. And then one day, I get a phone call from the Atlantic City Press. And they go, we got your little press release about your rubber ducks. By now, I've expanded the lineup. I mean, 12 of them. Babe Ruth, Queen Elizabeth, the the three stooges, you know. Mm -hmm. And she goes, why should we do a story about you? This is my moment, David. I go, well, I'm from Jersey. And I used to go to Atlantic City all the time. She goes, good enough. (laughs) You know, that's the (laughs) tie-in. That weekend, Serendipity, it ran a story about celebrity ducks in the Atlantic City press and who reads it but the vice president of the Philadelphia 76ers, hmm. and they call us, they say, we're always looking for cutting-edge promotions. Can you do our superstar Allen Iverson, a duck of him? I mean, with all the tattoos on his arms, the cornrows, the earring, exactly like that. I go, absolutely, we can do that. Uh, I, I wasn't sure we could do that, but I felt we maybe we could. <laughs> anyway, they flew out I met with him in San Francisco. I lived in Marin and had a great meeting. I still kid Dave to this day as a patent saying the Celebriducks. That was one of their top promotions. When that duck came out, I mean, they had Bow Wow in the promotion, and they used Gilligan from Gilligan's Island in the commercials. Um, and it sold out the stadium, huge hit. And all of a sudden, the Yankees, the Cubs, Gorton Seafood, Everyone was calling us to do promotions of these rubber ducks. And the long story short, it was growing so big, I sold off the animation part and literally became all ducks.
1: Hmm. No, that's that's an awesome. That one coming, right? Would have I mean, never you thought and makes sense, and I think they sound cool. And I'm like, oh, that'd be a good promotional item, it was something different. But and if nothing else, I would go home and my kids would love them after I get them, and they would play with them, and they would be around yeah. the tub, and or I'd have them around the office. So I think that's uh, that's awesome. So now, so you made the leap uh, full time over to the Ducks. and yes. they're doing that now. How long have you guys been in business? How's it been going? And where's well, where are things headed? We've
0: we've been doing this for about now about 25 years. And we we have to understand we have people now because we're kind of considered the top custom duck manufacturer in the world. So we came from Conan O'Brien, like when he w- moved from The Tonight Show to the Turner Network, they wanted a couple thousand Conan O'Brien ducks to give out. You know, we never missed a deadline. They, he opened up 2,000 of them sitting on his doorstep. And then the Houston Rockets wanted endless ones, we even wanted one of them was sh- one guy, Mookie Norris with a shower cap. There was nothing we couldn't do. And we... We realize how we'll beat any anyone trying to knock us off. China will always try and make things cheaper. We'll go the opposite direction. We'll make them so complex and spend more money on them that no one's going to spend the money to do our level of quality and detail, mm. and no one ever has. So we just kept expanding, and, and people Barry Manilow won first tour. I mean, people just every companies people. I I can go on and on and not to mention all the promotion wants to create ducks for their company, for their logos, for their corporation. And we were doing it for some of the top companies and celebrities in the world, which we, that's what we do now. I mean, nonstop. Um, And it just, it just blew up Devin, you know, just one of those quirky little ideas that you never, you never really know.
1: No, that's awesome. That sounds like you're great. So, so now just as a follow-up question, so where, where do you see celebrity ducks headed? Is it continuing to expand and go more directions are you going to expand out beyond uh, ducks or are you going to go are you going to just stay in your lane and continue to grow the business or kind of where do you see the the next six to 12 months that you're going for you guys well the interesting
0: thing is um we suddenly hit another amazing growth spurt we always we were doing licensing and all and um and then all of a sudden, you know, for Marilyn Monroe's estate, Elvis' estate, you know, making ducks for, you know, all these different people, we had licenses. But then we had the idea of playing around with parody. And we have now become like the Weird Al Yankovic of rubber ducks. So about maybe eight years ago, we totally switched our model and we became parody with all these funny lines. So we have a duck that might remind you of the Beatles that give geese a chance, you know, mm-hmm. but you know who it is. Um, uh, one that may maybe Ziggy Starduck, pond control to Mallard Tom, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the wing of fire, a toy named Sue. And all these ducks, instead of they became less, they became more like ducks that gave you the feeling of a character dressed up. And then the company just exploded, I mean, overnight. I mean, you can see all the ones we're doing now on our website, new ones from ZZ Flock to Beak Loaf you know, bath out of hell. I mean, there's just endless tailor, splash it off, ducky style. I mean, it's just gone mad. And our biggest problem right now is we cannot keep up. Our factory is just overloaded with work. And so that comes that critical period in any business where do you leave the people who brought you to the dance or do you just try and find a way to work with them? And we're loyal to a fault. So we mm-hmm. keep trying to work With the people we've been working with for 25 years but it is a critical moment because we've never had growth like this and i'm getting on in years you know and i had was thinking more about retiring but now it's going the opposite direction so i don't know maybe someday someone will make an offer we can't <laughs> refuse which is another one of our great ducks the god feather
1: <laughs> there you go no i love it and i think i like the names i i, I like the the duck name sue that one catches uh, by or catches my, or catches my fancy so names. i'll have to i'll yeah. have to pick that one up uh or, or what or when i go to your website next but no that's awesome it sounds like a fun direction and hey if you love what you're doing why you retire you keep going i know and my what wife you and i have, it,
0: that's that's what you say. Say, who cares about that? We have so much fun with it. We just sit around, you know, eat chocolate, drink a little coffee, coming up with these funny names, and then you just see how much people enjoy them. So, you know, it's it's a way we just stay young together. You know,
1: Absolutely. we do
0: it together. We play together. My wife comes up with the best ideas. She said a customer asked me the other day, "So, who comes up with these ideas?" I said, "My wife, ninety-eight percent, me, two percent." I told her that. She corrected me. She said it's more like you're like more like 1%. So, you know,
1: and it's probably <laughs> hey, true. As long as it works, the team works, it makes sense, keep doing it. So that's awesome. Well, that cool. Awesome. Well, uh, awesome. now as we've reached the present day of the journey and even looking a bit into the future, it's a great time to, to ju- or transition over to the two questions I always ask at the end of each episode. Yeah. So the first question I always ask is, along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made? What'd you that's learn from easy. it?
0: That's easy. And it turned out, uh, it's a, quite a story. A Lady came to us to create ducks for uh, the uh, World Cup for FIFA. For and she was she came actually invited her over to my house. Very nice. I trusted her, and she asked me, "Can I when I'm in China because I'm doing other projects visit your factory?" At the time, as at the time we were we were using different factories some production. Probably the biggest mistake I ever made. She totally turned that particular factory against us. I mean, she just made a mistake. <laughs> about us that were totally untrue and all mm-hmm. of a sudden she said she wasn't We she had paid a deposit she wasn't going to pay for the rest of the shipment unless I release it in customs I knew she would never pay the rest of it so I felt totally trapped and I remember talking to my wife about this I said I I don't know what to do I feel trapped she goes you're never trapped you can there's always a decision in business you can make ethically and morally and you never have to feel trapped and I said you're right I said, you know what? I'm not releasing it I'm keeping your 15,000 and we're done. Mm -hmm. And I then found the factory that we ended up working with long-term. It couldn't have worked out better, Devin. It was like divine providence. And I always say this. Your mind affects your reality. So if you really and business are going to roadblocks and to the degree you really believe the solidity of them and get really scared by them, your business will follow. But the degree you really realize that you always have choices and they're out there, your business has a chance of really flourishing. It's not just mumbo jumbo. I'm not into the new age. That's just a fact to me.
1: No, I, I think that that is uh, definitely makes sense. That's a fun mistake to learn. And, you know, it's kind Normal of one a mistake,
0: where, but it turned out great,
1: but it turns out great. And sometimes it's interesting how the mistakes put you in a new direction or give you a new view. And it ends yeah. up being, uh, you know, a blessing. So in the, the size or in the sky, definitely. so to speak, because, you know, without that, you would have never gone in the direction you did. So it sounds Absolutely. like a great, great mistake to make and to learn from. That's right. Second question now that I always ask is now, if you're talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what'd be the one piece of advice you'd give them?
0: I'm going to give you one. I'm going to, it's, it's really a two. I thought this over because they're so almost equal to me. Overhead, overhead, overhead. I tell people this all the time. It's not how much money you make. It's how much you keep work. You know, Apple was working in their, in their mother's garage, you know, work, Only expand, let the business force you to expand for those extra expenses. You know, keep it as lean and mean, especially in the early years, because overhead is literally what kills most more businesses. They do not have the wherewithal to withstand that cash flow. And the other thing I always tell people uh, real quick, don't try and be all things to all people. You can't. Nobody is. You'll become nothing to anybody if you do that. As much as you think Coke's the best brand in the world, half the people want Pepsi. Whatever it is, you're only going to get half the market. And and you really got to know that and be willing to give up and really focus on what your core identity is. I think that's just really important.
1: No, I think that that's absolutely a great takeaway and a great piece of advice. So definitely worth uh, worth uh, putting in the arsenal. So Awesome. Well, with that is now as we wrap up the uh, the episode, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more?
0: You know, uh, the phone number's right on the, the homepage of celeberducks.com, C-E-L-E-B-R-I-D-U-C-K-S. It's right there. They can just call anytime. I actually pick up the phone. I'll speak to anybody. It's hard to believe. People can't believe it, but I do. And they can write the info at celeberducks.com. Um, we'll respond to every email from everybody, every phone call, every email, the old way they used to do it. Remember them before voicemail and all that, when you get to a live person, that's
1: how we do it. Also. Hey, I love it. And I I'm, I'm right there with you, and, you know. I don't know that I, everybody that always calls me always gets a live person, but I always make sure that they eventually talk to the live person as soon yeah. as possible rather than going through that phone tree that everybody hates and you have to dial 20 numbers only to get to the wrong person. So I think that's awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now for all of you, other listeners that are out there, you have your own journey to share and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast. We'd love to have you. So just go to inventiveguest.com. apply to be on the show. A couple more things as listeners, make sure to click share, subscribe, leave us a review, helps us to reach even more startups and small businesses to help them along their journey to success. And on that note, if you ever need help with your patents, your trademarks, or anything else with your startup, or your small business, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat. We're always here to help. Well, thank you again, Craig, for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last.
0: Thank you, Dem. I really appreciate it. I'll be talking to you shortly with, uh, I told you about that, uh, uh, pro- this new project we're working on for this uh, end of the end of the fall.
1: Absolutely.